Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Tracy Broussard. Since 2003, Tracy has been the drummer for country superstar Blake Shelton. After moving from southern Louisiana to Nashville in 1996, and before his gig with Blake, Tracy worked with many artists, including Craig Morgan and Jamie O'Neill. During his tenure with Blake, Tracy has learned a huge number of skills that have gone far beyond drumming, to include reading the artists on stage and anticipating his next move, or programming and running tracks for a flawless concert performing in front of 50,000 people. Most importantly, Tracy has learned how to balance work and family life throughout this time. To find out more about this episode and all the episodes that we've done over the last three years, you can find us at WorkingDrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, leave a rating and review. It really helps us grow. I just want to take a second and give a big thanks to those of you who have supported what we do here at Working Drummer Podcast. If you're interested in supporting what we do, there are two ways that you can Patreon.com slash Working Drummer is a way that you can participate with a monthly donation, and there are rewards for different amounts that you donate to the podcast. There's also a one-time donation button through PayPal that we have on WorkingDrummer.net. So there's a couple ways that you can donate if you're interested in helping to support what we do here at Working Drummer Podcast. A lot of us are using in-ear monitors on a more regular basis than we could have anticipated even just a few years ago. Unless you have that big artist gig that provides all the free gear that you need to do your job, you are responsible for the cost of your own in-ears, and the price is often too high for great-sounding in-ears. Session Ace is a company that makes great-sounding ears at a very reasonable price. Zach and I have been putting these in-ears to the test in real-world settings for many months, I can honestly say these are the best-sounding in-ears I've used. For only $199, you can own a set of ESAs or quad driver headphones. For the dual drivers or ESTs, it's only $99. The frequency response is better than any of the lower-level competitor products and is either equal to or better than other higher-end products. And lastly, the accessory package that comes with every order has everything you would possibly need from cable extensions, adapters, as well as a large assortment of ear tips to fit your ear. You can check all these out at sessionace.com slash working drummer and see some of the other products that they have to offer. So here's my conversation with Tracy Broussard. Because uh, I wanted to ask about Road Dog Online. Yeah. And and like, so you, you were talking about before, you, you want to get back into mm-hmm. it. You want to redo the website. But it's been around for a while. It's been in fits and stops and all those yeah. things. But but why? Why do this? And I have a feeling that your answer might be the same reason why I started this. I think the main reason I started was to get guys' names out there. Mm-hmm. Because country players are kind of fit in a... They're in a... Like a... They're pigeonholed almost. And so you go and check them out at a show. Now, this is going back a couple of years ago, but there was this 
you had this certain impression of a country drummer mm-hmm. and they only that's all they did but what i started to find was through years of talking to drummers and getting to know them being here 20 plus years right they're very diverse and they do so many other things yeah. and what you see at that show is just a little morsel of what their talent is mm-hmm. because the nature of being a country drummer is to let the star shine the singer. It's about the singer. It's about the song. And that goes back when I was listening to country music in the 80s because my parents listened to it. Mm-hmm. My parents listened to country. My brothers were into rock and funk. So, yeah. And then growing up in South Louisiana, sure, there was tons of things that influenced me. But I'll never forget hearing songs by Kenny Rogers. And they told stories. Right. And I think that is what's remained. Now, country music has changed a lot. Exactly. For the better or the worse. That's debatable for another podcast. Right. But it's still telling a story. And our job as a drummer is to not take anything away from that. Mm -hmm. If you want to shine, play in another genre. Because this isn't the one to do it. I think, and there are exceptions. Because it's like we have buddies that are touring out of Nashville with quote-unquote country acts Mm -hmm. that get a featured drum solo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That was unheard of seven, eight Ten years ago. Hey, you want me to tell you how many solos I've done with Blake? In uh, let's see, I've been with him fifteen years. Fifteen years. Yeah, that'd be zero. <laughs> so you know, and for me, it's not been one of those things that's ever even with even with other artists that I played with before Blake. Which wait, fifteen years? You play with other people? Yes, I'm old. I did play with other people before, <laughs> right. but it wasn't a thing. So. I would just get to the point where, man, these drummers need to be known. They, they're yeah. so talented. And I needed something to express myself because mm. I think a lot of times we're, since we're creative people, yes, we're wired differently. Yeah, There's always that depression, anxiety, and I still battle with it. Mm-hmm. Road Dog came from me hitting out maybe you want to call it a midlife crisis i got very depressed Mm. this was probably 07 and i was just finding a way to get out of it because we're wired in as a way you know that we all our engines always going yeah right and if we don't we're on that treadmill life's treadmill and if it's not going forward it's going backwards and i found that my mind was just racing with all these thoughts yeah and through Counseling and just help and finding who I wanted to be, mm-hmm. finding where my spot was, not only in my family, but just in the world. Yeah. I started thinking, man, I could, these drummers need to be out there. They need to know. People need to know about them. They're so talented. What if I start interviewing them, like video interviews? That'd be cool. And what I found through the interview process and then the editing process and then promoting it. Mm-hmm. And doing all the stuff, which was, I mean, I was using social media. This is 08, I guess, 09. Right, right, right. And it was like, wow, you can do Twitter and Facebook and all this. And it's really cool. Now it's it's a given. It is exactly. what it is. Right. I mean, it's it's inherent. Um, now guys, are a lot of them are doing it on their own. But I was trying to be a voice, unofficial voice. Not at all did I proclaim, I'm the voice of Nashville drummers. But I was like, I know these guys, tons of guys. Mm-hmm. People need to know about them. Yeah. And... Through doing that, I found that I was 
that positive engine was going. Yeah. And I felt better about myself. Yeah. And I, I didn't find myself going to the dark place as much. Mm-hmm. But then, because we're OCD, it turned to a spot where I'm doing this too much now. I'm neglecting my family, exactly. my family time. Now, it was cool when I was on the road. It was a great distraction for me because on the road, there's a lot of time. You know this, man. Oh, yeah, man. The show's an hour and a half. Yeah. You maybe have an hour sound check. What are you going to do with the rest of the time? Mm-hmm. Idle hands. We always complain. We always want to find something wrong. I found myself when I wasn't sound checking or playing a gig, I was getting back to it, either working on the website, editing. So on the road, it was cool. And then I get home and I kind of reserve the road dog stuff for the road. Well, now Blake's schedule is so different. We don't tour like we used to. You're right. With him being on The Voice, we're working spot dates, or maybe we'll do a 15-show tour like we did this year. And I, I really am hesitant calling it a tour. It was 15 dates. Right, right, right. And it was arenas, but it was 15 dates, five weeks, three uh-huh. shows a week. So, by no means, I think people think, oh, a tour, you you were really, must be really tiring and long. Nah, man. It was pretty cool getting out. So, we do the 15 dates and come home. Now I'm home more. Right. So, and your kids are like, "When are you going back out, Dad? You're driving us nuts." More so, my wife is, "When are you <laughs> going back?" But now I say I need to manage my time better. Yeah. So there are, you know, I'm when I'm not on the road with Blake, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and I love it. Oh yeah. Because a lot of people at a point in their career, I thought when I would be at this point with Blake, I would be divorced. Not know my kids, mm-hmm. and it would just be at. I would have sacrificed a ton to be where I am. Now I did, but I'm very thankful that I have a wife, two kids, and I'm with them a lot. Yeah. So I really cherish that time. So what I need to do is while they're gone at school, okay, and that's where the discipline comes in. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think a lot, a lot of times, either my wife or my mom or someone will say, "What do you do all day?" Um, well, I got I brought Carter to school and uh, <laughs> and then uh, worked out and stuff and, and uh, yeah. went to the grocery store. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, that's all you did? So I tell myself, I could be a little more disciplined. So mm. I want to get back to the road dog stuff. And what I have to do is find a better way, more efficient way to conduct the interviews, sure. edit. Sure. But still, and now I don't feel, luckily... A lot of drummers, they have a voice now, and it's great because their social media is everywhere. So, but, but it's but it's a but the, here's the thing about it: we we all have a way to share things with other people that's going on with our careers and our life and our family and stuff like that through all the social media platforms that we're all familiar with. But um, it's very much a, a filtered snapshot that um, that I've found with podcasts and other forms of information gathering that a podcast can do um, that, that I know you've discovered with, with road dog is that you can dig in a little bit deeper. And I know that we were talking about earlier that the video thing, the video format, sometimes it, it, it doesn't lend itself to a longer format because people's attention span is shorter. We're a strictly audio podcast is something that people can 
you know, they can take in chunks and pause and put it in their car, put it in their headphones mm-hmm. while they're mowing the lawn. And so you can do a longer format and then dig in to something that is a little bit more real than here's five seconds of yeah. me doing a track mm-hmm. in the studio. Or here's this because it's because it's a skewed representation of our lives, which for which is great because we can filter out the bad stuff. But for those of, of us and those listeners out there that are looking for real information about the hard truths, the positives and all the negatives, the long format thing yes. is, is really good. And you're killing it. I remember, you, I, 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 I'm so sorry that it's taken this, <laughs> this long. This is great. So this, 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 has to, this has to come up briefly. So, so our good friend, David Black. I wouldn't uh, say was, good. Was, <laughs> no. Was sacrificed himself to be the first guest on this podcast, Working Drummer. And that was back in January of 2015. Yep. And so... Um, it's just it's just time has flown by. It doesn't seem it like has. it, but it, ha- it has evolved. And then shortly after that, you guys were touring together, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Hey, Tracy is interested in being on the show." And so I was like, "Oh man, I'd be that'd be great. I'd love to talk to him." Yeah, just three years later. You're right, right. And then I was, and then you were busy, and then I didn't hear back from you, and I'm like, okay, well, we're, I'm gonna, we're moving on with this. And then it's like, well, Tracy, hey, hey, yeah, man, we should do that. And then we both got busy. Yeah. And then we went, and back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. I was like, you know what? There's a there's a time and a place, and there's a pace in which you ask for free time. I mean, I'm serious, man. Every guest that's been on this show is offering up their time for me. And so I've said this before, and I'm going to make a statement again. I am thankful to everybody that gives their free time and donates their story that provides essentially plagiarized content for me Mm -hmm. to produce this show and for Zach to produce his episodes. So if there's somebody that maybe is hesitant or maybe doesn't have the time or is not interested... I'm cool with that. Man, you drove down here. You well, came down yeah. to Laverne, made the trip. But my my hopefully the give back for you sharing you sharing your time with me is that people will know more about who you are. Mm-hmm. And um and 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 so that's that's it's it's a symbiotic thing yes. that happens. And I'm sure that you experienced that with the uh, Road Dog. I did and you know people want to know more. Yeah. And it, it's such a beautiful time right now with technology. Yeah. It's yeah. good and it's bad. Yeah. But to have something positive like this, man, and you've had great response and I've seen it grow. Yeah, and I was telling myself, I better do this thing because he's going to get too big and he's going to be like, no, nah, no, no, you know what? That's not the I've the got other people to talk to. That's I've not been the people. format of this. And, and, it, and it never <laughs> it never will be. Uh, we had uh, when we have maybe a, 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 a huge recognizable name, it, it it draws in new listeners to then say, hey, have you ever heard of Kyle Wilkerson? Probably oh, never have. Flat Bill? Yeah, of course. I know Flat Bill. <laughs> so what's his story? And, and maybe there's something that's more relatable about his story for a listener than something that Steve Smith went through. You know? Yeah, and I think is. your listeners are going to draw 
everyone's had a different story. Oh yeah. But then there's parallels. Totally. That cross genres. Totally. It's the it's the process. It is. It is. So to wrap up Road Dog online.com and it's dog in, is, it's under construction d a w g d a w g yeah. that's important road dog d a w g road dog online.com yeah it's it's uh, like it's a work in progress and uh, once i get my discipline together <laughs> i will hopefully have some good stuff i really look forward to the summer festival season cuz we do a lot of multiple act shows right and that's when i can catch guys mm mm-hmm. And so those are the real good ones, you the festivals, so yeah. that you can catch guys. And it's kind of nuts, man, because I'm here getting to do these interviews, but also I have to think, wait, I need to get ready for the show. Because I'm trying to get B-roll yeah, yeah, while yeah. they're playing, yeah, and then catch this guy and then squeeze this interview in. Or the, the worst that I have to do is, man, I'll catch you in town. That's like... We hear this all the time. Hey, let's do coffee. Well, that's another reason why I do this is yeah. because because people would say, hey, we should do coffee. I'm like, it's not going to happen because when I'm home, because <laughs> exactly. when I was home, I was home for like 40 hours or 24 mm-hmm. hours and I had laundry to do and, yeah. and catch up with my family. And so that was another really good excuse to do. I think the takeaway from this for anybody that's interested in finding a creative outlet that that as drummers and musicians we have this kind of uh nervous uh, uh just have to create yes if if it's not songwriting if it's not whatever but this there's other forms of creativity so you know so i would encourage anybody and it's like there is a nice community of people that produce great podcasts mm-hmm. and we've done shout outs for them and been on their shows before and it's like it's all good man we're all part of this community that's that that we're doing it together so you were talking about the summer thing mm-hmm. so i want to get into like what's going on this year with Blake and everything this year so we did our 15 show run and our schedule <laughs> ruling man yeah <laughs> it's actually a vacation because right. you being a father, yeah, being home, it's all audibles. Mm. There's no schedule. Right. It's a serving suggestion. <laughs> Things happen. Kids get hurt at school. Kids get sick. Things yeah. happen. Yeah. On the road, we wake up. We see the day sheet. Oh, cool. Sound checks at two. Pretty much free. Uh huh. So do whatever you do. Where's the deli tray? Sound. Ch- yeah. <laughs> if you're even allowed to have the deli tray, maybe that's not for you. Maybe you have to have something else. Did we get per diem? Cool. I'm going to go eat somewhere in town or whatever. And then I have the free time there. Mm-hmm. But where tour's done, now what we're going to do is TV stuff. Yeah. We have, uh, we'll usually do the voice sometime in December at the end of the season. And then maybe again in May at the end of that season. So we can kind of bank on those. Uh, We'll do the CMT Awards, probably. And then we're going to do festivals. Um, the other thing, since Blake has opened his restaurant, so he's opened a restaurant in Tishomingo, Oklahoma, called Old Red. Wow. And he's opening one in Nashville in May. And then I heard that he's also going to be opening one in Gatlinburg. So to me, that's job security. Worst case scenario, <laughs> we can have a circuit between Tishomingo, Nashville, and Gatlinburg. So we're always going to work. Right, but we'll. He will love. He loves to do this. 
We call them pop-up shows. And we can't tell you where they are. We're sworn to secrecy. Oh, cool. But what he'll do, he'll mention something on social media. Yeah. Day of. Oh, yeah. What that means to us is we're going to play probably three hours. Yeah. And it's not, it's going to be very little of his material. It's going to be 80s and 90s country. How fun. And it's usually a free show. Yeah. So we'll have those thrown in. Right. Corn dog festivals, you know those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then we'll have like Country Thunder or uh-huh. any of the country whatevers you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Country Fest, you know, all those. So we'll do that. And possibly it continues to the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but his schedule is really awesome for us, for me, specifically being a dad, being able to be home. Because if he's live on The Voice... We are not going to be touring. Yeah. So when we tour in the like early winter or late winter, I should say, like February, March, he's not doing the live show yet. He wraps his tour up. Then they start doing the live shows. Mm -hmm. So we're basically touring around his TV schedule. And I think a benefit for us is that he is doing a lot on TV. Mm-hmm. And that is where he's making a ton of money. Yeah. So when he does come out and mm-hmm. we are doing a show, yeah, he wants to be there. He's not killing the road and we're working all these shows and it's work for him. Yeah. It's almost like the TV thing is work because he's there more. Yeah. But when he comes out on the road with us, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, cool. We're playing music. I've got these guys behind me. We're going to play some stuff. And it's always funny. We'll do a sound check that might last an hour or so. And we'll tell ourselves, wow, Blake was in a good mood. He wanted to play some music today. Not that he's not in a good mood, but he'll get frisky sometimes. And sometimes we'll f- he won't even check with one of his songs. He'll just, hey, let's do this. Right. Let's do some um, Merle Haggard. Yeah. Let's do some uh, George Strait. And it's cool because that's my wheelhouse. That's why I moved to Nashville to mm-hmm. play 90s country to me. And even though I'm doing cool things, right. I always wish I could have toured in the mid-90s to <laughs> see what that was like. Uh-huh. To see someone like Clint Black take the stage or, or Clay Walker at his height uh-huh. or Red Akins. Yeah. Be on a festival date and let's flash back to 1995 mm-hmm. and I'm with an act that's playing like at three in the afternoon to the lawn chairs. But the headliner could be Tim McGraw in his heyday uh-huh. or well, Garth didn't do that. I'm sure he did festivals at some point, but uh, checking out those groups. Yeah. Because I was the band that I was in in Louisiana, we would open for acts that came through at different clubs. Uh-huh. And I was just looking at the drummers. I'll never forget. Ron Ganaway was playing with Steve Warner. Right, right. And you'll see on the way out, I have a, a, an ad from the 90s with Ron Ganaway in it. Ron Ganaway's in it. Did Bruce Rutherford. Hair? Did he have hair then? A little. <laughs> he was fighting the good fight. Okay. <laughs> he was trying. Um, but I, we opened for Steve Warner. And I was floored because... Ron let me play his drum kit. Uh-huh. 
Because you know sometimes I the opener we're not you don't use right, right. you know you bring your own. Hey man, kit. you let me play your drum set when we open. I know, you. and I'm hopefully I wasn't a jerk. <laughs> you were not, man. You were not. I think you moved a bunch of crap, and I was a little pissed about that, but I let it go because I didn't want to be a jerk. But <laughs> Ron really let did. me play that <laughs> kit, and I was floored because here I was starstruck, and he's so cool, and we've become become great friends over the years. Mm-hmm. So if I could like share turn back time man it'd be cool to go back to the mid 90s and i had a gig like i moved in 96 and i was hoping i could get a gig that was my goal i'm gonna get a gig and i'm gonna be on tour it i didn't get the gig till 99 but if i could go back and just see these guys but another one dave mcafee with toby keith right he was at that time playing with brian white and of group pearl river and we opened for them and dave Oh, he was so cool. Because we get it all the time. You probably get it. Drummers, they'll go up to whoever the headliner is or whatever and say, man, I want to move to Nashville. Oh, what yeah. do I need to do? Yeah. And sometimes once you watch him play, you're like, man, you know what? I would probably stick here a little longer in season. <laughs> in other words, no. Yeah. <laughs> you're not ready. But then there's dudes that you see and you're like, wow, okay. Dude can he can play. Yeah. And yeah, you Dave, should move to Nashville. <laughs> Dave was one of those guys like, dude, you should do it. Mm-hmm. Here's my number. Call me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, I got Dave McAfee's phone number. Mm-hmm. And when I would see these guys open and watch their musicianship, that's when I started to learn a drummer's job is not to steal any thunder from anybody else. Mm-hmm. It is their job to help tell the story you're a team player yeah and i slowly started and then i started to incorporate that in the local band that i was in Mm -hmm. mid-90s so getting to hang with these drummers and i'll never forget dave it was the night after we opened they were playing in my hometown we weren't opening that night but i was able to hang out and Dave invited me up on the bus. Dude, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, I'm on the bus, man. Yeah. Matter of fact, that night I sat in my truck and I'm driving home. I went to college, graduated in public relations with a degree right. in marketing. Yeah. And it was that night. I had a job working in the tourist commission in Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay. Benefits, salary. A job. That's what you, when you get out of school. Right, right, right. And I was probably a year in. Yeah. And after that night, I said, I don't think I want to work. Like, I don't want this job anymore. Uh I want to do what they're doing. I want to tour. Yeah. And, you know, the bravado kicked in and I was like, yeah, I'm quitting my job tomorrow. So then I woke up the next day and I said, do I feel the same way? Yeah. All right. So I put in a two week notice. Yeah. And then... I decided I'm just going to play music. I hadn't decided to move to Nashville, but I knew that that was my ultimate, that was my end game. Mm-hmm. So it's Dave McAvee's fault that I quit <laughs> a good job that paid $14,600 in 1996. It's his fault. It's his fault that I'd quit that great job. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call him out on it. When I started with Blake early in my career and then a few years into it I came to the realization that which was incorrect <laughs> I'm out here quote unquote working and when I get home 
it's time for me to relax. Mm-hmm. Some people feel totally justified in that. But here's my wife's side. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. You are out, quote unquote, playing music, <laughs> drinking beer, mm-hmm. watching Sports Center, hanging out with your buddies. Yeah. I've been home with two kids. Yeah. Running them everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you want to come home and you say you're tired. Yeah. Really. And it was hard, man, because we are, we're ego driven. We think we are, we've come back. We're the soldiers coming back from war. We fought the good fight right. playing the dirt festival in Sheboygan. And, and we, 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 our catering was just barbecue. <laughs> we, and we didn't have cold Dr. Pepper. It was rough. But then you have a wife who has two kids that she's been trying to, at that point, they were young, man. And so I've had to really adjust my temperament to, okay, hey, I'm home. I need to focus. Right. That's done. And it's hard to take that hat off, man, when you, the bus is rolling into town. And I've, I really had to think to myself, okay, you're dad now. Yeah. And your kids and your wife don't really care about how many people you played in front of. No. And what cool lick you played. Right. They need you home and be present. Yeah. So when I started to, and it's, it's taken years to really just embrace that. Now it's mm-hmm. tough to do. Yeah. It's really hard to do. And people that don't have kids or a wife that come home, it's a different deal. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. But you're taking off the musician hat, putting on the parent hat. Yeah. And, there's been times I've gotten home and I've left from the bus to go to either church or a basketball game or mm-hmm. a baseball game mm-hmm. and make sure you have a change of clothes because you're not going to have time to get home before you meet the family, wherever they are. So not the, not the cut off black no. shirt with the red. Who would wear that? That's from the Barney Rubble collection. That's the, <laughs> God, that's a horrible thing to wear. I don't know who would, who, who <laughs> has that kind of fashion sense. Yeah. Don't show up to church with a sleeveless shirt and tie and shorts. That won't work. Um, but I really had to adjust not only when we were working a lot. Yeah. It was a little bit harder. But now since the majority of my time's at home, which is great, I think we all dream of being at a spot where you play music and then you come home and things are taken care of. Like, you know, when you're touring early on with an artist, you're mm-hmm. on show pay. Well, you might get a month off, yeah, but you're not getting paid. Right. So that was a struggle. Thankfully, we're on salary now, which to me is the ultimate of any musician's gig. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is when you're on show pay and you're trying to get a loan for something, Mm-hmm. And they're asking, well, what, do, what do you make a month? Well, what month are you talking about? Right. Because if you're talking about December, it's not going to be much or January. Right. But July, and they look at you like, wait, what do you mean? Right. So it was one of those funny More things. More so now than ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now, thankfully, we've been on salary, and it's great. And so you can actually say, hey, I make whatever. Yeah. And it makes things a little bit easier. But striking the balance between family and a career has been a very very tough journey yeah but i think once you get there it's very rewarding and i feel that i'm at a point in my life right now where we've matured we're older yeah and you can 
accept what you have. Because I remember I would get all worked up about things that I didn't have versus taking into account what I do have. Yeah. So like what what did you think you were missing? Oh, we all deserve more money, right? Mm -hmm. We want that. We want... um, better catering we want more per diem we want a better bus Mm -hmm. um the flight that we're on that we didn't pay for isn't good enough yeah because it's too early or it's too late yeah i mean we're miserable people man (laughs) i mean we just complain yeah and sometimes in my man my wife maria is a saint because i would come home and complain about these things and she would just really really are you done yeah so um Here's the deal. We're fine financially. Yeah. Um, why are you worried about things that you don't have? We're good. Right. Our kids don't go without anything. Yeah. Lord right. knows they got everything they want. Mm-hmm. It's your ego that's telling you mm. you deserve more. Mm-hmm. When in reality, I think our misconception to be content has a negative connotation, but it really is everything you need. Content means, dude, I'm good. I'm accepting of what I have and I'm not worrying about stuff I don't. And that has really started to just settle in, I guess, in my older years, man. It's hard to say that older years, but (laughs) it is. You're just like, you know, things are good. I think you're right, though. I mean, the word content, it's like, don't be content with this. But it it gets misused. It, it, It kind of lends itself to, well, you're not pushing. You're not trying. Right. Now, I did. Yeah. Have to, and everyone has to go through it. Uh-huh. The push, yeah. You got to work. You got to work to get to the point. Right. I think it's a lot. It's pretty similar in athletes. I love sports, and you know these guys that work and work and work. They work in high school to get the college right. scholarship, and then in college they work to get that pro contract, mm-hmm. and then they get the pro contract, and then they're working for that next one. But then in their twilight. Mm-hmm. They start to accept the fact, you know what? I'm cool. And I've had a really charmed life and mm-hmm. very blessed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I am in my career because I realize, you know, whenever Blake decides to hang it up, which I hope he doesn't because he truly loves music. Yeah. He loves me. He loves to get out and play. Yeah. So hopefully, between Branson and his three bars, we'll have some. Circuits yeah. going, and then casinos. But um, I'm not going to jump on with a new act. Yeah, and that's the harsh reality of it. Yeah, and some people, or maybe I would have years ago thought, "Wow, this is depressing. This is it. This is as good as it's going to be." Hmm. But I'm thinking, I moved to Nashville in 1996 to tour with a country artist. Right. Now let's forget all the crap in the middle. <laughs> that was my goal. That's why I picked up right. all my stuff, packed it in a U-Haul and drove up here. Yeah. What am I doing now? Yeah. Playing with a country artist, making a living, yeah, playing with a country artist. Forget the middle and all the other stuff and you have this. Yeah. You have this house. Mhm. You have this family. Yeah. On top of all that. So it's a win. Yeah. And so for me, very few people are lucky enough to set out with a goal Mm -hmm. and achieve it Mm -hmm. with no regrets. Yeah. And I kind of am at that point in my life. 
And it's liberating. It honestly is. you had is. to get there. Right. And by no means am I thinking, oh, I'm set. I don't have to learn Blake's songs. I don't have to put in work. I don't have to do these tracks. It's not complacency. No. It's maintaining the fact that all of these things that you do for this job are a means to an end for you to provide for your family. Mm-hmm. And it is a really good job. Yeah. Yes, you can complain about stuff, but I've learned, is that really important? And I imagine there's an immense amount of trust and loyalty that you get from Blake having been with them for so long. Yeah. But I, I don't, it doesn't sound like you take it for granted. I did. I mean, there were times where I thought I deserved more and act like a jerk. I, mm. I was fired a year into the gig. Wow. And I thought I was totally justified and I was right. And they were wrong and they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to, a couple weeks later, cooler heads prevailed and Blake called me back and we worked things out and everything was cool. But I still didn't learn my lesson. Hmm. I came in, oh, y'all fired me and you called me back. Mm-hmm. Y'all couldn't do without me. Mm-hmm. And about a year and a half later, when we were on the Rascal Flats tour, yeah. things kind of came to a head again. It wasn't just me. It was organizationally uh-huh. and some things in his personal life, too. And I was almost fired again. Mm. And then I had to realize, dude, seriously, clearly what you're doing isn't working. Mm. And then it's so funny, but I just had to start taking little steps. It it may sound dumb, Mm. but it's helped me. For instance, we're on the bus and I'll go to get a soda. Mm -hmm. There's no ice in the cooler and everyone that's been on tour has known. Well, you think, well, that's the driver's responsibility. Why didn't he put ice in the cooler? And then you get pissed off about it. Yeah. Or you can go get some ice, fill the cooler. Yeah. Put a soda in there and put other drinks in there too. That little act that took five minutes eliminates you getting mad. And guess what? You've done something good for the people that are on your bus. Yeah. So that one thing could change the whole mindset of that situation. Right. So I slowly started doing more things like that. I know it sounds so dumb. Like we've all gone to the trash can and it's been full, right? Yeah. So what do we do? We put more crap in it. Yeah. Push it down. Cause it's, yeah, it's cool. It's the drive. <laughs> let it, let the driver come back who slept eight hours, who's still not awake yet. Who's got to drive for eight hours, reach into that bay and pull out all the crap we've been throwing in it all day. Mm-hmm. Or he gets back. Or she yeah. goes there and it's been replaced or it's not overflowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would find that those things, when I'd see that and I'd get angry, I'd flipped it. You know what? No, I'm going to use this anger and go fix the situation. I remember it was so funny. It became, because I'm OCD, a point. I almost wanted there to no be, be no ice so that I could search for a trash bag so that I could go into the hotel and make five trips back and forth. Yeah. I was crazy. <laughs> but it's those little things that I started to just slowly. And then once I became more aware of my attitude, mm-hmm. I realized, oh, I'm the problem. Mm. It's not that person. We can't control other people. Yeah. We can only control our reaction to those situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it sounds like some kind of Jedi mind trick, but man, it's really worked. And I've tried to just, I'm still doing that because yeah. there's always going to be something that comes up that we can complain about or 
want to be mad about. But man, is is it something that you can control? If the answer is no, then you just roll with it. You let it go, right? Yeah. Or if you don't like the situation you're in, go do something else. Yes. So when I went through that phase, you know, being fired and almost again, slowly after years, I was like, okay, now I feel Blake's gig is so fragile, not in the respect that I'm walking on eggshells or anything like that. I think I should rephrase that. Not fragile, but I cherish it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not Blake's best friend, even though I've been there as long as I've been. Mm-hmm. My job, he pays me to be his drummer and also, like a lot of drummers, run tracks, edit tracks and all that. Mm-hmm. If I do that, that's all that's expected of me. Yeah. And he is got so many people pulling at him. The last thing I want to add to that plate is me wanting time from him. Hmm. All I need from him is what songs we need to know and did I do a good job? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not the type of person that needs validation every night. Mm-hmm. It's more or less, if you don't hear anything, you did great. Mm-hmm. But if there's an issue, you deal with it. Yeah. So I've kind of removed myself. Yeah, we're cool. It's not like I don't, oh, avert your eyes. Don't look at the artist. It's not that at all. Yeah. But there are so many people that want his time. His yeah, employee, especially. his drummer, doesn't need that. As long as I'm doing my job. Right. And we're cool. Yeah. I'm good. I'm not going to go to the bus and have drinks with him. Because mm-hmm. it's not my place. Yeah. You know, he wants to decompress. Yeah. So we'll have time. With, he loves playing basketball, so we'll do that on the road and stuff. And he's the, an art god. He's so good. If you make the mistake at give him a morsel about someone like dirt, <laughs> he'll laugh about it. But yeah. then a couple of days later at soundcheck, when everyone's present, say, hey, uh, so Tracy, what about so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. Oh, call you out. <laughs> During soundcheck or when everyone, that person's right there. Yeah, yeah. And I was so dumb because I get sucked in. Now I'm like, dude, y- your Jedi trick will not work. Unless you're pissed at Philip for for one reason. Well, I'm Philip, I don't know. He's usually sleeping through sound check. So, and we ha- it's running on tracks anyway. So he's just kind of there. He's getting a new keytar in, so he should be really excited about that. Ah, that's <laughs> so, where do you go to find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? NotSoModernDrummer.com. Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not So Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out NotSoModernDrummer.com. It started out, click track, rhythm watch, that's it. Tempos. Which you still have, right? Yep. (laughs) And it went from the size of shows, of course, have changed, and where you're playing. Mm -hmm. Um, Lack of album cuts. Because when you don't have a lot of hits, when you have one or two, you got to do album cuts. You got to do covers. I think that's what 
expanded our knowledge of cover songs because we didn't have. Blake was smart enough to not force new songs down people's throats. Man, listen, let me do some stuff that people are going to be familiar with. I'll push my product, mm-hmm. whatever album's out. But And he would always do that thing where he'd introduce people and there'd be one guy from the town we're in. And from Sheboygan, Wisconsin, oh, yeah. Tracy Broussard. And they're yeah, like, wow, so I'm the guy today? Yeah, right. One guy be from Hawaii, you know? Yeah. But there was never a drum solo. Never. So it started out, click track. No backing tracks whatsoever. And then Hillbilly Bone comes. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me... Before Hillbilly Bone... Um, I'm trying to remember the song. It was... Um, I'll remember in a minute. But there was a loop mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. One of the first things. And at that point, we weren't doing tracks, of course. So I said, you know, I'm going to mimic these loops so i brought out a 16 by 16 inch kick drum on the side hmm. running it with a double pedal but as a slave not a gotcha. true double pedal because uh-huh. uh, my brother told me who's a drummer when double pedals started to come out in like the mid 80s i told him man i want to get one of those double pedals uh-huh. and he said boy you better learn how to play one before you can play two <laughs> and i still don't use one so no offense to guys that use the double pedals but it's country what are you gonna do use it on a crash and burn really so anyways i used it as a slave and then i would have the auxiliary snare Mm -hmm. of course like a popcorn snare 12 by 7 something Mm -hmm. and greg loman thank you for introducing me to the drumble putting the splash symbol or some sort of splash symbol on the auxiliary snare to create the loop effect yeah right either that or big fat snare drum now right. but before those guys were doing their thing i would just cut a drum head take the hoop off of it and put that on top of the aux snare to choke the drum yep so we would do those don't make me that's the song don't make me i knew it was going to come okay. to me that was the beginning of loops and stuff uh-huh. but i'm like cool and people were using tracks but I kept telling myself, we're gonna, we're not gonna go there. Uh-huh. Blake won't go there. He's too traditional. It'll never happen. So for a while, man, I did the auxiliary snare drum and then the sixteen by sixteen kick drum on the side. Yeah, it was cool. And then Hillbilly Bone comes out, <laughs> and we're like, uh oh. And that's when you got the old. Now drummers, that's changed too, man. You got to run tracks and you got to know how to edit and you know got you have to know everything about it. Mm-hmm. That's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to accept it. If you want to move here, you got to be able to play and in time and have a great attitude, but you better start learning Ableton or something because you're going to have to do right. it. Right. Are you guys still using Ableton? Yep. Okay. And so, man, I was thankful in that I was able to learn and I'm still learning. So, I mean, but the, I've talked to players where they're provided. Okay, here's your laptop. Here's everything set up. And and there's some there's some guys in town like Ben Jackson that will set up an Ableton rig for an artist or for a drummer that's working for an artist, whatever. And the organization will pay mm-hmm. for that. And so, and we've and, and I think most of us, if you don't know how to program, know how to hit a space bar. Mm-hmm. And understand about two-bar count-ins and your count and then the band's count mm-hmm. and things like that. That that's been mostly my world. 
although it's getting into a gray area. I'll tell you one quick thing, because I don't like to talk about myself on these do things. Do it. Do it. <laughs> it's your podcast, man. <laughs> there's there's one there's one situation where there's a new artist that I was working with last year, and they were doing some artist development of him, so they brought in some older guys mm-hmm. like me. Yeah, us. <laughs> uh, and uh, so the guy that's producing him said, well, we've got these tracks and some other things like that we want to start introducing do you know how to do this? Do you know how to? Um, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know how to. Mm-hmm. I know how to do that. I, I, and I didn't. But I didn't tell him because what I needed to force myself to do was how to build tracks from the 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 the, the session mm-hmm. and how to use a program. Of course, I get home. I'm calling friends and say, oh, yeah. Hey, listen, can you help me do this? Can we do that? No, no. Because what I was trying to do is I was trying to secure my gig. Because yeah. I had just come off the road from one gig and I was trying to procure new work, meet new people. And I knew that that was part of the deal was like job security is not only being able to perform and get along with people, but to uh, show that you have other skills and the producer is like, "Oh, cool! Well, I'm not going to worry about it at all because I don't even want to think about that crap." But you're you get you can do it. Mm-hmm. So you're the man. Cool. Again, that's another thing that I bring to the table. Of course, and that's part of it. You have to have that on lockdown, mm-hmm. especially if you're a new. You're on a new gig with a new artist. They don't have a ton of money budget wise to get a tracks guy. That's a good point. Yep. So you better be ready to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was fortunate that I was able to learn. We had one song, and yeah. I fought my way through it. Then the next single came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, our, I'd say 90% of our show is tracks driven. Mm-hmm. And my angels were, and still are, Matt Payne and Greg mm-hmm. Watlington. Right. Because we were in a situation to where the track's responsibility fell solely in my lap. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, mm-hmm. it's mine. Mm-hmm. And once again, it was one of those things, oh, you don't like it? Well, then do something else. Or embrace it mm-hmm. and learn it mm-hmm. and put another feather in your cap. I will be honest, that's the biggest challenge I've had in the last probably five to seven years of my career has been tracks. Hmm. The drumming thing's on lockdown. I've been doing that since I was 10. Right, right. This is new. Yeah. And this is just as important as me learning the songs. So so if if possible, briefly walk through what, from the beginning of, of tracks for, for Blake's camp. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do now, if we have a new song, yeah. or even better, a new album coming out. Mm-hmm. So it's the album comes out, we're going to do promo in L.A. and New York. It's book it. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we'll get like the first single, and then we'll probably get four or five others that we'll do to promote the record. So what's going to happen is we'll get all of the Pro Tools files. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I get all that. The band gets all of it. And we, as a group, mm-hmm. who's going to play what parts? Because we have musicians on stage, but... The tracks are supplementary, you know, to fill it out. So we want to play as much of it live as we can. Right. But we also want it to be as full. So there's times where, okay, 
guitar player is going to play this in the verse, but then in the chorus, we'll need the track guitar, that third guitar. Yeah. So what we'll do is we're texting or emailing or on the phone. Okay, dude, so are you playing the mando part on this? Yeah. But I'm going to have to bail out in the verse. So I am with the band editing. So our process will be who's playing what parts, and then we will rehearse. So when we rehearse those songs, I have a raw Ableton Mm -hmm. set, which is just that one song. Once we decide who's playing what parts, then I bounce everything out Uh in stereo or whatever. Uh I'll mix the tracks together, and then I have a bounced file that I use. Now, when that song becomes a single, then I incorporate that into our show file. Mm -hmm. So the process is working with all the musicians in the band, vocalists, who's covering what parts, Uh what are we going to do? And then that was the thing that Matt and Greg were so good at helping me with because I knew I had to do it and I had to be able to do it because mm-hmm. I want to be able to control what I can, going back to the other things. Well, a lot of guys do it and then it's bounced back and you fix this. Oh, wait, I need you to fix this. Well, I didn't like that. I wanted to be done and do it. So I had, there were, man, I can't tell you how many times I went to Matt Payne's house (laughs) or met with Greg. And it was like, it was tough because I had learned one way, which was wrong, but I was just going with what I knew. Right, sure. And the other little wrench that we have is we don't have a tracks operator. I am the operator. Okay. So I'm running a completely redundant system Behind the drum kit. You have two laptops. Yeah, and everything, two Motus, yeah. a switcher, right. the whole nine. Right. So You can't have something go down in the middle of a no. show that size. Like, I don't have a guy behind me Yeah. to watch the tracks. Here's where I messed up. <laughs> Early on, with one laptop and one Motu and one song at a time, yeah. if something happened, like either the, we lost the track or someone got ahead which doesn't happen often but it's dude you try to open an app on your phone and it doesn't guess what the same stuff happens with computers yeah and you can't explain why that's the other thing something goes down on the tracks guess who gets blamed i do now didn't have anything to do with it right but it's electronics and you're responsible so that's an added stress that you have so what i would do is so crazy (laughs) i'd play with one hand scroll on the mouse pad yeah and go to the next marker so you I had would markers I, there. So, so what I rather than just ditching the whole track, yeah, me thinking I'm trying to prove my worth. Watch what I'm going to do. So, as we've shifted formats and gone from, well, I mean, we did arrangement mode, we did session mode, we did so many things. And what Matt and Greg were so good about was working with me for what I need, mm-hmm. taking into account. I don't have an operator. I am the operator and the drummer. So we streamline. And that's what's cool about these Ableton rigs, man. You can make them to whatever you want. And that's what was overwhelming for me. It's like telling you, hey, man, go build a car. I know. And what do do I have a brand? Go make one. Yeah. And so I think we were, man, it was like going through counseling with Greg and Matt, man, because they were trying to see what I was trying to, I was trying to see what they wanted and I couldn't get, and one day I'll never forget, I had a moment. It was so funny. It was just bouncing tracks out. I was on a flight from Nashville to Arizona. We were going to do a Super Bowl party 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to work on these tracks. I'm going to try to make some progress and try to learn to bounce multiple tracks out to one. And I did it and it worked. And that was my light bulb moment. Hmm. I was like, wait, I think I can do this. Now, by no means am I claiming to know everything about Ableton. But what I know is enough to have me keep this job and people can count on me. Like if we are doing a show and we have to, what's good about Blake, he doesn't change a whole lot of things arrangement wise, Okay, but we might need a TV edit quickly yeah or we might need well we can't play this part because this we didn't bring this or whatever can you bring that in grab this track and put that in and last minute quick so i've had to learn shortcuts and it's been there was a point where i dreaded the gig because of the tracks Mm -hmm. and i was no longer playing drums Mm -hmm. i was watching tracks and the drums i wasn't even thinking about which is a bad place to be yeah sure um now with their help and grace of God, whatever you want to call it, just learning the system and the process, making progress on my own, learning stuff, always learning. I'm back to playing drums again. Yeah. And it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Our rig is solid. Mm-hmm. I've got redundant stuff. I've, I'm using an SPD to trigger stuff. I also have a keyboard where I can cue songs. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be things that would come up that was a, I was a so, so afraid to do because mm-hmm. I thought it messed something up. Mm-hmm. Now I'm comfortable when something pops up. Oh, cool! No worries. Bam, bam, bam. Or when something does come up and I don't, I couldn't quite deliver. Mm-hmm. I find a way to make that happen so it doesn't happen next time. Because those are the things that challenge me now with Blake, yeah. as far as the gig. That's where we started. How's the gig changed? He Blake knows that I can play drums, mm-hmm. and he knows that he can count on me. Mm-hmm. He also knows that if there's a tracks issue. I should be able to take care of it. Yeah. And that's part of it. Yeah, you're wearing many hats. Yeah, but yeah. man, that's adding. I could look at it as a curse, or if I do this really well, yeah. that solidifies my gig. That's, that's, I think that's, that's the difference between who you were describing from 10 years mm-hmm. ago, 12 years ago, to who you are now. Yeah. And seeing and embracing this as a positive challenge, mm-hmm. job security, yeah. learning, growing, creating a, a, a worth about yourself that it's just you're like this is good, man. You have I'm to make stoppable. You have to make yourself irreplaceable. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah, you can grind all you want, which I can't stand that phrase. Grind, whatever. <laughs> Get out and play some gigs, but anyways. That is what you need to do. Yeah. Make yourself irreplaceable. Yeah. Make sure that they cannot do without you. Whatever it yeah. takes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what I was doing with that the, with the producer is is I was and there's there's so many different ways. It's not just through your understanding of technology. It could be like your ability to um, know tempos of. Right. Every and if you're working with a group or a new group or whatever, and it's like you really know the arrangements, you know the songs, you mm. know the tempos, you know how to go from one song to the next, you know how to read the band leader or the lead singer, whoever's kind of like the tip of the spear in the performance, mm-hmm. and so you have this innate sense of um, providing something beyond your drumming that makes you so valuable mm-hmm. because here's here's the r- harsh reality is that 
and I, I I hear it from older players, and I just I just was listening to Zach Albetta, my co-host, his interview with with Peter Erskine from a couple weeks ago, and Peter Erskine said, and I've heard him say this before, young players that are coming to take lessons from him now are at a level like he's never seen before. Yeah. And I think you agree with me. Totally, because we have access to so much, man. Yeah. We were growing up, the yeah. best shot we had was to watch a music video on MTV. Yeah. Or the a DCI concert. Video. Yeah. <laughs> or the Buddy Rich Memorial concert <laughs> with Gad and Wecko and Call <laughs> Uta. Or a clinic. Right. Now, these little punks right. can just look crap up. Yeah. And they're killing it. Yeah. So, so you, I mean, it's like there's so much good talent out there that, um, again, attitude is part of it. But I mean, but but all these other things, it's like I know that there's younger players that play better than me. But man, I, I, one thing I feel really good about is to be able to read the stage and know what's coming up next. Yeah anticipate especially when i'm working with a group with no set list or or there's a new bass player and so his pocket is a little bit different and how am i going to play differently with this guy so some of that stuff you can't learn you can't it's just with experience it just takes experience and so i i have i've learned to exploit those things that have only come from experience to make myself as valuable as any other player. And I think you're finding that with all those things that I talked about, mm-hmm. including the technology and stuff like that, and and not being obsessed about your free flight and yeah. not kidding. <laughs> you know, for me, part of it to keep this gig yeah. is to, yeah, like I said, know the songs, man. Do the tracks. Make sure that that's good. The other thing is, you mentioned this, reading the artist. Yeah. Blake, he's a sucker because he knows that I can read him well. I pride myself on it after 15 years. Yeah. But what he likes to do, I know what his final phrase is. Yeah, right. But I like... When sometimes he decides he's going to meander around the topic to bring me to the catchphrase. And sometimes, man, we'll, he goes off and he's doing his intro. But I know I'm reading the set list. I'm like, this is this song, but this is not the intro. Right, so right. I'm ready. Yeah. And I'll come in and I'll have to say 97.5% of the time, I nail it. That's just confidence. That's me knowing it. Yeah. That's not bragging. Now, 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 when you hit start, mm-hmm. do you have a bar for yourself and a bar for the band? It depends. Um, most of the time, yes. But now, I'm still taking into account what his, Catchphrase. what his payoff is. So, if he's meandering, I'm like, oh. Because I want him, and when he's done, Boom. or about to be done, I'm into the song already. Yeah. But it depends on the song. Mm-hmm. Sometimes now I'll clear it with him. I say, "Hey, dude, are you cool if I start while you're wrapping up?" Or sometimes I just do it, and it's the coolest thing ever, man. You get the smile or the good mm-hmm. job. Or he likes to do this sometimes. He'll look back, asking, "Was that good?" <laughs> and the only reason he's asking me because it sucked. 
And I'm like, no, that sucked. <laughs> and we just laugh. That's one of our moments that we'll have. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, part of the process of me just embracing the gig, embracing everything that I have, part of it is, yes, there are drummers that will smoke me. Okay? But I'm the best drummer in his band. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only guy. Mm-hmm. That can do that. Yeah. And that can read him. Yeah. I, and I I would go through these, especially when we would do these festivals. Yeah. And you see drummers in the wings mm-hmm. or musicians. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let me show out for them. Yeah. Well, guess what you're doing? You're putting your band and your artist at risk for your selfish gain to show off in front of your friends. Mm-hmm. That's just being an ass. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, Yes. I would get wrapped up. Oh man, so and so is watching me. I better play really well. Mm-hmm. Or how about you just do your gig? Mm-hmm. Because he couldn't. That guy who's watching you couldn't sit in and do your job, right? As right. well as you're doing it, right? Oh yeah, he can smoke me. He's got hands for days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got a feel that's great, mm-hmm. but he's not playing right now. Yeah. So I had to just let that go, and real just be comfortable in who I am because. Another sports reference. I look at the drummer and bass player. We're the offensive line. Mm -hmm. We don't score touchdowns. That's not our job. Mm. Artist is supposed to score touchdowns. Yeah. He's the star quarterback. He's the guy. He's the diva receiver, whoever. Mm -hmm. My job is to be as consistent as possible. Right. Which means not changing a feel. Mm -hmm. You can embellish, Mm -hmm. but then you start to realize that little thing I did a little bit different. Mm-hmm. caught someone on stage. It caught them off guard. They hesitated because you played something different, so their part didn't come in as clean as it would if they were expecting the feel you played last night. Yeah, That's selfish right. because you want to go ahead and do something different. Hey, it could have been perfectly executed. You could put it on Pro Tools and it's on the grid. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. If that's not what they heard yeah. or they're used to, it's wrong. Right. And sometimes people rip on, they could be country pop, whatever. If it's a gig that has to be consistent right. from night to night, yeah. well, then that maybe that's not your thing. Right, exactly. Maybe it's, it's you need to express yourself in a, in a, in a style of music that requires more improvisation right. and, and, yeah, and, I, and I'm not claiming to want to play jazz. Mm-hmm. I'm not claiming to want to play prog rock mm-hmm. or any of that. Mm-hmm. I love what I do because I can be consistent and I need to be consistent. And one of the things that is part of the gig, Blake will be in and out. We, we might do a show. We might do three shows. We might not do another one for a month or two. Mm-hmm. We might not get a sound check. Wow, yeah. And we're doing a festival date for 50,000 people. Right. And Blake comes in a half hour, an hour before the show. Mm-hmm. It's not me out to do the latest lick no. or decide I'm going to change something up. Yeah. We're making, up, make, making excuses for not having played in six no. weeks. No. I mean, it doesn't matter. Blake depends on me to be that guy. Yeah. To where we are a warm bed for him. Yeah, right. That's what we want him to be. Uh-huh. 
and me, you know, or anyone else. The other added element that has changed once we're talking about what's changed. Now we have video, audio, right. lighting, mm-hmm. and they're on cues. Mm-hmm. So if I change a, a fill, an intro fill, because I want to, that's going to throw off lighting. It's going to throw off video and sound mm-hmm. won't be ready. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Now I could think, yeah, that, that feel killed. And I've had it happen. Or I've heard it too. Man, I, you'll get crap. A lighting guy or somebody say, hey, nice job on that fill. Now, if you want to be a jerk, what you do is, what do you mean? I thought it was cool. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. They don't care if it was perfect. It right. wasn't what you played and what you've played the past 12 shows. Yeah, right. So if that's not what you want to do, then don't even come here. Because that's, now you may have a rare gig. Those are few where there's improv, there's no set list, and there's vamps that just happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with tracks and stuff, it's a little harder to do. Right. But Blake's not that guy. He mm-hmm. he likes the consistency of arrangement right. and also performance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's been quite a few changes, but I've started to realize that I'm there for a reason. Yeah. And I need to just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite the journey just to where the gig was and where it is, but I can't get complacent. I still have to make sure that I have all my stuff together and be well, the least of his worries. Of Perfect. Yeah, yeah just, totally. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be the guy that sticks right. out. You're, yeah. yeah. When you have time off, I mean, are... In between shows, do you go down the set list? Is there anything that you do before you go back? I mean, I know you've had this gig for a long time, but I know there's probably new songs and mm-hmm. maybe songs you don't, you know, it's like, well, you might pull this song out and this this song's been a challenge for me, so I got to make sure that I hit it at least a couple times. Yeah. You know, um, Butch Jones made the popular phrase, the ex-coach of the Tennessee Vols, uh, mental reps. Mm. But I will, like, I will look at the set list. Uh-huh. And... Our group is really good, top to bottom. About we might not get the changes, but we in orderly fashion. But we will get them. It mm. could be last minute. Like let's say Blake flies in a half hour before, and we've they've printed the set list at four in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Blake decides I don't want to do that song. Let's move this song up. Yeah. So here's what I have to do: see what the changes are, right? And then check with the instrumentalists. Do you have a guitar change here? Oh, right. Because we usually go into that song with no kicker. We don't, or Blake doesn't talk there. Is he going to talk here? Oh, he's not going to talk. Yeah, Do you need yeah. time to change guitars? Yeah, right. Okay, well, look at me when you're ready. Uh-huh. Or, hey, man, there was a talk section here. I noticed last week you didn't do it. Did you just forget, or are we still doing it? And he's cool. It's all about the way you present it. And I go through the channels that talk to either the band leader or production manager and if I can't get an answer there I just go up to him because he knows I'm not going there to bullshit with him uh-huh. hey buddy who's hunting no it's like hey dude uh, so we're doing gun a second are you going to do the talk or are we going into a dry no we're going into a dry cool I'm out that's all I need to know uh-huh. and uh-huh. so I will go through those things transition wise but man funny stuff I know this has happened to a lot of people but you jump ahead you read the set list uh-huh. and you jump ahead Luckily, I haven't started it. I've started the count, yeah. but I've read the song and started the count and know they weren't right. So I stop it real quick. Now, the band had a pucker because they realized <laughs> that's not the right tempo. And I'm like, okay, deep breath. Because in the span of those three seconds, it seems like it's a minute. 
of right, dead right. time. Yeah, they, right. The crowd doesn't know. No. Everyone knows it took a little longer. What I've also done is compounded a mistake by making another. We all do that. We'll make a mistake and then think about that mistake and we end up making another mistake and oh, then I know. we're I, snowballing. Yeah, right, right. So not only do I do that with my playing, if I do ham something up, which is a nightly thing, <laughs> I just let it go and say, look, okay, cool. In the span of this show, this was a blip. Mm-hmm. If someone heard it, first first things first. If you messed up, own it. Right. Own it. The minute because if someone has to ask you, "Hey dude, did you something did you do something on such and such?" The fact that they had to ask you tells me they know you did something. Mm-hmm. And then if you say, "No, nah, man, I didn't do anything." Uh-huh. Well, then they're going to be like, "Yeah, he did." Yeah. So, it's almost like when you do something and it could be someone else's fault, you just take you say, Leah, it was me. And then eventually the real culprit says, yeah, well, I did too. And the truth comes out. So own it in the beginning. So I've learned to do that. Hey, I'm sorry I started the wrong song. My bad. I'll own it. Crucify me. It's cool. Whatever. And if it's a one-time thing, yeah. then, it, then it, if it becomes a regular thing, then you got to start that's figuring a, out that's a big what deal. do we do. Right. But yeah, I've jumped ahead, started the wrong song, uh, sometimes uh, skipped something. Or of course, if the tracks do something weird, but I've... Knock on wood, we've had good luck with that. And I'm able to get around those things. But, yeah, I used to get really down and if I had a bad night or a bad fill. Yeah, right. And it, it could have been just one thing. But then you realize you put so much weight on that one thing it that it ruined the whole rest of the show. Right. So what I try to do is compartmentalize it. And, like, going back to a sports analogy, I love sports, but it's in a game. Guys make mistakes, yeah, you know, but the true great ones, yeah, make that mistake, own it, and don't do it again, right? And they don't let it compound into another mistake. I want to get into Trip to Funk, yeah, and tell me about that, man. That was born of us at sound checks playing grooves, uh huh. And Rob, the bass player, long time. I mean, he's been with Blake 20 plus years, man. Wow. He's been there forever, man. It's He's band leader. And uh, we would just mess around with grooves, man. And it kind of grew from that to whenever Philip DeSteiger and Bo Tackett joined the band. Yeah. And we started, Rob was, man, he started putting music and arrangements into this stuff. And it turned into a really cool project that it was, it's like, I forgot. It's like funk fusion. I think is what we decided to call it. And, uh, man, some songs would be like nine or 10 minutes long with movements and all kinds of cool things. And we, it was the production on it was cool. Now it was was also one of the most challenging projects I've ever done ever because I realized how bad I'm not. I mean, how bad I suck. <laughs> because in my head, the groove sounded so cool. And then we play them back. I'm like, did somebody put rocks and three pairs of shoes in the dryer? Because that's what I sound like. The I recording was, process. Oh, God. It oh, was yeah. miserable. I hated it. It's tough. And I, I, I was... And I had to realize, dude, that it, it is kind of is what it is. You're not going to get better. It, it, it's what it is. And I've also learned that... We're we're more critical of ourselves when we play. I've rarely heard something I played on that sounded good. 
It's kind of like actors yeah, when they like see that. themselves. Yeah, I know. They I don't. Like some actors don't even watch the movies they've been in because they're so critical. I'm like that. Oh yeah. What I've had to learn to do mm-hmm. is think about the context that people are listening to mm-hmm. anything. If it's, if I'm on TV or if it's strip the funk, they're gonna sit and listen to it. By no means are they going to sit down and dissect it like something that Garibaldi did or Weckl. They're the going to listen to it. Yeah. Just dig it. Oh, yeah. And so here I am thinking, oh, my God, that sounded so horrible. It was a learning process. Could it have been better for me? Yes. But now I can actually listen to it yeah. and go into it with the context that we worked on it. And it was a fun process. It was man, some of these arrangements, whoo. You man, if you blow one transition, you're done for. Yeah. And we've talked about doing it again and yeah. we're kind of trepidatious about it because we like it's cool, but let's maybe go a different direction, but maybe not, because it is that was cool, but let's not totally leave what we did. Right. So it's kind of on the back burner. We've talked about doing it. But you put out a record like 2012? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's on iTunes and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it was neat. Um, we, we're we huge fans. Like, who isn't of Sling Blade? So there's a <laughs> tune on there called Bill Cox's Outfit. You work down there in Bill Cox's outfit, fishing lawnmowers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where that came from. And then being on the bus, yeah, we've all had to do the Bombay Boogie, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. You're right. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Green apple splatters, it doesn't matter. Same thing. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere i yeah. don't care bag it or that's right. do something else bro right bus problems right right <laughs> that's hilarious you guys have done so many different tv shows from good morning america to saturday night live that was awesome yeah i just did not want to be ashley simpson no. I did not want to be that guy the whole time. Like, please, God, let me not be Ashley Simpson. <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, can you share, like, an experience, one of those experiences, or maybe kind of give some insight to how those go down production-wise, what your responsibilities are, or if there's anything that was nuts that happened? Man, we've run the gamut of smooth as silk. Yeah. For instance, I would say the probably the three top situations that we've been in on a regular basis, and it's because we're there a lot. The Voice, yeah, uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and then uh, the Late Show with Seth Meyers. Mm. We usually do that whole circuit, and dude, it's just so comfortable. We go to the Voice, and it's cool because they know we're not coming in with an ego. Plus, our boss is a He's a judge, and they love him. Yeah, they love Blake. Yeah, because he busts Adam's balls. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and he's just that yeah. guy. Yeah, right. So when they see us, and I've heard people say this, and I love Nate Morton. That man is incredible. When he texts me about grooves, I'm like, "You're Nate Morton." He'll text me, "Hey, man, what, what do you think of this groove?" Well, specifically, the country stuff. Yeah, and right. I'm just floored. I'm like, "Wow, Nate is asking me." Mm-hmm. So that's comfortable. And then going to the Tonight Show, 
The Roots are incredible. I know. And the whole crew, they're cool. It's the same thing. They see us and they're, oh, okay. We're going to set this stuff up and it's smooth and Seth Meyers, same thing. Now, we've done some morning shows and that are the complete opposite. And it's just mixes aren't right. Mm -hmm. We're getting ready. We were pushing back line check or sound check because someone's mix isn't right. And what I've had to learn is unless it's killing me, you suck it up. If you can get through it, yeah, right. Worst case scenario, give me click. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. give me click. Since we're playing with tracks, they're lined up. Worst case, I don't want anything but click. If that's all you can give me, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And you smile. Yeah, right. And you perform like it's perfect. Yeah, right. And then you get done. But the thing is, it can turn badly if you have the wrong attitude. If you're pissy, yeah. they don't want to be there either. Because on those morning shows, a band there is a huge pain in their they're ass. They're not there to see you. They, they We're going to be watching you. They but, don't want to deal with a band because that's a lot of stuff to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then, wait, what? Whatever. So you have to kind of go in knowing, all right, this might be a little squirrely. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of how bad things are, you still have to pull it off. Right. And you have to smile. Yeah. And like I said, pretend that it's great. And then when it's over, be glad you got through it. But there and, have been times, man, and there's always things that'll come up like, the tracks, something's not happening right here, or I've had to adjust levels on stuff on after sound check, like ten minutes before we're going live. Hey, can you bring this part down? So I'm on Ableton, and then I'm on the phone doing playback in the to our front of house guy who's up in the booth. Mm-hmm. Hey, is that hot enough? Now nah, bring it up three dB. Okay, cool. Three dB, go. Okay, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. Then I go back in the room, change my shirt, and then go out and perform. Yeah, right. And that's my responsibility. That's part of it. Yeah, right. Uh, and even watching things back, I used to just dissect it, watch it over and over and over. Oh, see, I missed that part. Think about this. Mm-hmm. It's late night TV. Very few people are watching it in a studio, like, or on surround sound even. Yeah, right. They're in bed listening on a TV that's got really small speakers. Mm-hmm. And they're going to watch it once and go to bed. Mm-hmm. Let it go, right? You know, I mean, and I've had to, I've really had to do that because every performance is always one thing. Yeah, I wish I didn't quite nail that. There's very few. We're just picky mm-hmm. that you say, "Yeah, I killed it." Yeah, yeah. You know, right? It's not always like that, right? But you have to go with the flow with all those different types of scenarios because when Blake comes out, he's not. It's like he's stressing. He knows that mm-hmm. the mix isn't going to be right for himself, and then. If you're like, hey, man, I can't get this right. And then it's like you're adding to the noise. Oh, yeah. And you're like, can you get this overtone out of my third floor, Tom? <laughs> it's just not right. And there's Blake standing there like, really? Seriously? Just right, don't. Right. He, he's probably thinking, do you need that drum? Can you not play that drum? Mm-hmm. Do you really need it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the other thing, like setup wise, dude. I mean, yeah, it's great having a big kit. Sometimes you got to scale it down. You get to one of these shows, the riser isn't big enough. And you're going to be a jerk? Well, it's my sound. No, you're going to lose the time and probably lose a crash cymbal. And guess what? It's a backline kit, and you're not going to be comfortable. Be ready. Yeah. It's not going to be what you think. And you got to pretend, and you make mental notes to yourself. you got to forget muscle memory. You really have to pay attention. Because it's on your kit that you tour with, yeah, you played blindfolded. Right, right. But it's a backline kit. Things are going to be a little off, dude. Right. The you know, we're not gripping on our upstroke. We're gripping on the downstroke. So a lot of times when I've dropped a stick, it's on an upstroke to hit something, and it hits the mm. underside of a cymbal. 
That's right. Yeah, yeah. So if when run through that happens, you either move it or adjust it. But it, no, it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And Ed, I mean, he's great about that. He teases me all the time. He's like, well, how many times are you going to move it? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, well, Ed, if you did your job right the first time, I wouldn't have to move it. <laughs> no, nah, but he's really, he does a great job. And, you know, those shows, rarely are you on your own kit. I don't think people understand that you're playing a different kit. That's like giving a guitar player a different guitar. Play this mm-hmm. and like it. Yeah. I mean, drums are drums and you adapt. Yeah. But if you right. go in with an ego and this not what I want or, oh, this isn't the backline kit I wanted. I wanted a yeah. Pearl and I got a Yamaha. <laughs> okay. Well, you cover up the Yamaha logo if you got an endorsement. Right. And you move on. You going to yeah. bitch about that and delay everything else? Right. That ain't going to happen. Right. Beyond anything else, this is good in 96. It's good now. Yeah. Know your songs. Mm-hmm. And also know your role. Know your songs. You mean like... Like have everything be prepared beyond... Be over-prepared. For instance... The big thing was being able to play with a click mm-hmm. back then. That was that's what guys told me. If you want to do this, you got to play with a click. Guess what? You still have to play with a click because you're going to be running tracks. Yeah, right. And I would say make sure you are a solid player mm-hmm. in that respect. Mm-hmm. And I know this is more than one piece of advice. I wish sure. I could sum it up, but yeah, that has you're playing. You don't necessarily have to be a virtuoso. Mm-hmm. It's almost better to be told play more than be told to play less. Mm-hmm. So go in kind of underestimating as far as what you're going to add to the gig. Mm-hmm. Be cautious. Play it first things first. Learn it like the record. Mm-hmm. Beyond anything else. Yeah. Um, and then if you're going to be a drummer here, you got to know something about tracks. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. Start now. Learn now. Because you're going to be thrown into that and you will beat someone out of a job if you can do that. Yeah. If it's between you and another guy, but you can do tracks really well, you'll probably you get can. the gig. Right. That's just how it is. The skill sets are very different now. When I moved, you had to have a pretty good train beat. Yeah, right. Pretty good shuffle. Yeah. Have a some sort of 3-4 feel down. Right. Now, I don't know when's the last time you heard something in 3-4. Yeah, right. So... There's not many shuffles, not many train beats. Yeah. It's a rock gig. Yeah. It's a pop rock gig. Yeah. With tracks now. Uh-huh. Everything's mid tempo. Mm-hmm. You know, anything over a hundred, oh, that's really fast. Mm-hmm. But everything's mid tempo, so you gotta be able to really fit in with tracks and loops. Mm-hmm. Listen to those loops, hear what they're doing, and you either mimic them or it'll stay out. Some songs you might want to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Other songs you might not. Like some bass drum patterns, they're not the same. Some of the notes might be the same within the loop or not. But you as a player can maybe let that loop go and then you play the kick drum with some of the notes instead of all of them. And that's mm-hmm. the thing you got to kind of determine as you're going. Yeah. But you have to learn to fit in to feels. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're just playing with a click, well, you have a little more freedom. Mm-hmm. But you're pretty much locked into whatever that track is. Right. So you got to feel good with the track and then yes. translate that to the band, too. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that can outweigh being prepared in a rehearsal setting. 
Yeah. Which means you have everything. You have tempos already. If there's tracks, you have that done. And listen to that stuff before you get there. If you're learning material, live with the material. Mm-hmm. If you got to chart it, chart it. But do your best to not have to use the notes. Because mm-hmm. if you're coming into a rehearsal or an audition and you have charts, you can reference them. But if you're locked in on the chart, right, you're not paying attention to the rest of the guys either. Right. If something so, needs to change. Yeah. You or you're not, you're you, the singer could be struggling. You don't, they're not really feeling, you can read body language. Uh-huh. And if you're buried in a chart, you're not going to see that. Especially if the gig calls for a certain amount of flexibility mm-hmm. or just for whatever reason, you need to have your head up yeah. out of the chart. And then attitudes, everything mm-hmm. you got to come in. Modest, humble, mm-hmm. which goes against everything because everything you put a video up now playing a cover song and you get 4,000 likes and you think you're awesome and you deserve an endorsement. No, <laughs> go play some gigs, get out of your bedroom, yeah, get out, take your GoPro down mm-hmm. and go play some gigs. Yeah, you're not going to get validation from the people that are watching your videos. Go play some gigs, right? Right, that doesn't substitute, that will never substitute, right? Getting out there and playing. I hear you, man. You know, that's that's it. You just got to go out and play. Yeah. That's so, why we interview working drummers. Thankfully, we're still working. Um, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the Cocksmiths. I know that you did, although you've done a really good job with this podcast, you hit an all-time low having those assholes on. I'm just saying. And I'm a part of them, and I'm glad because it makes me feel so much better about myself because they're mostly miserable people. But I, I look at them like, Wow. I've got things really good because they're just sucky. <laughs> Top to bottom. That's the reason I did it, just to make myself feel better. Well, you set the bar low, and now you can go up from there. So <laughs> good luck to that. Maybe there'll be a part two. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, we waited all this time, Tracy. I'm glad. So, so, I so learned more. I think if we had done skin. it earlier, I'd have been more jaded. And then if we do another, I'll be I less just, jaded. I didn't get a good I feel. I didn't get a good vibe from you. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so... Maybe yeah. we'll just do it again in yeah. 10 years. I don't know. Or I was like, I need to hone my skills and learn <laughs> how to keep my mouth shut when I'm interviewing. <laughs> no. No, that's, man. That's the key. That's the key. No, it was great. But and dude, I'm glad we got to do this because too, it meant a lot to me. And you've had some great people on, minus the coxes. But um, <laughs> I'm glad to be part of the better ones. <laughs> If that can be considered. so Yeah, dude. It's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. Tracy. Thank yeah. you for so much. It's been great. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So there was my conversation with Tracy. Uh, we discussed at the beginning of the conversation how it was very hit or miss for Tracy and I to connect for this interview. I've known Tracy since 2000 and uh, watching him grow and change over the course of uh, time within Blake's career as Blake's career has changed has been incredible to watch and I think that uh, the time for us to connect was was now for sure even three years into this uh, podcast project so I'm so glad that he took the time to do that uh, to do this and it was a lot of fun so I thank him for that Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's episode. Uh, Many thanks to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance in helping keeping this podcast rocking online and otherwise. Quick reminder, patreon.com slash working drummer is a place where you can help support what we do do here at the podcast. Also, find us on workingdrummer.net. And you can see where we have T-shirts available. Those are just $10 a piece with graphics on the front and the back. Cool colors, cool new design as of last year. So check those out, workingdrummer.net. 
And thank you all so much for listening, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.